Fulhamish is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. We are your independent voice of Fulham FC. Hope you are enjoying the start of summer. A few weeks, a few months without the torture of having to watch Fulham FC. Um, We're taking a little bit of a uh, siesta as well when it comes to pods. However, uh, myself and Jack have come together today because of the Riverside stand. It is going ahead. It is being developed. And ironically, Jack... We're in Shepherd's Bush, where we aren't going to be coming next season. Yeah, we're no, no trips to Loftus Road, so that's nice. We're sat outside Westfield on the side. It's all a bit random, but it's quite nice. Yeah, it is quite nice. How nice are you? Day. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Can't complain. You know, nothing to worry about, because Fulham aren't playing games. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, everything's, everything's pretty sweet, really. Well, so in today's episode, uh, we're going to discuss that news about the Riverside stand. And as we're here, maybe do a little bit of a uh, post-season debrief and also have a look through the early transfer rumours that have been doing the rounds and there, and there is a couple uh, to get excited about so uh, just to say this season Fulhamish is backed by Labrooks for exclusive specials and promotions head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk well Jack um, as we speak um, yesterday the club announced that the Riverside stand development is going ahead and, and it's high time that it was announced there's been a lot of frustration online on social media about the lack of info from the club Um, But these things take time and it's the news that really everyone was expecting and it doesn't matter how long it takes to get there. Ultimately, it's just the fact that it does. Well, it secures home, doesn't it? It secures Craven Cottage as the club's home and there were all these rumours about Wembley and Shah Khan trying to buy Wembley and all these different things and he always said he maintained through the entire whole Wembley debacle, shall we call it, that it wasn't for Fulham, it wasn't for Fulham and there were still rumours on rumours on rumours that it was going to be a thing about moving Fulham to Wembley. It turns out he's kept his promise, he's kept his word, he is investing in the cottage as a ground, as a, a home for Fulham FC. And what that does is it secures Fulham's spot by the river for you know the substantial future. And, and that's got to be something that we take as a massive positive. Well, yeah, I guess even when we moved back to Craven Cottage in 2004 and there'd been all the Back to the Cottage protests... And Shouts out the Back to the Cottage campaign. And lots of people weren't 100% sure of Mohamed Al-Fayed's intentions. And the kind of temporary nature of the way they rebuilt Craven Cottage never gave us that 100% certainty that Fulham will stay at Craven Cottage. But... You don't build a stand like this and then move us out. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. And it makes absolutely no sense if it's not a project which is a sustainable future forward thinking project. You look at what it's bringing in terms of, you know, there's a lot of talk about the commercialization of it and how there are so many rooms for conferences and, and all those kind of bits. But ultimately, while all those things do have a negative throwback it in terms of how much fan experience is is engaged during a game what it also does is it means that it's a sustainable project and it's something that they're not doing as a kind of throwaway you know sticking plaster it's a it's a permanent fixture yeah ultimately i i I can't see any negatives to this project and we've wanged on about ticket prices all season and part of especially my narrative and others as well is I don't care if you charge £2,000 a minute for 
GlaxoSmithKline to come enjoy Craven Cottage and its wonderful hospitality. Have as many hospitality options as possible. If that helps subsidise loyal fans and everything like that and reduces the ticket prices for them, then then I'm all on board. Sell, sell as many tickets as you like. Redevelop the Riverside Stand in whatever way makes Fulham sustainable in the future and helps us compete on the field. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, that we'll have to see how, how those things turn out and we'll have to see if there is a knock-on effect back to, you know, your everyday fan like us. But ultimately, we can't go criticising that until it happens. If it does happen and there isn't, you know, and that does price out law fans, then we'll be there and, we'll, you know, we'll be talking about it. But at this point, all you can do with this kind of development is, is praise the kind of initiative, praise the fact that it's got the financial backing. Yes, it's going to be difficult for two seasons when we're all squashed up together and... As a Hammersmith Ender, I'm extended hand of friendship to all our Riverside brethren. Um, you know, you're more than welcome, more than welcome. We make a little bit more noise than you, but not much. Um, <laughs> but it is good fun, and and I hope that people use this to kind of come together to, to become the Put- you know the Putney End was once the home end. We we kind of forget that um, in the kind of ruckus, I suppose, around all of this. But I hope that it rejuvenates the Putney End as a kind of livelier place. I hope that it, you know, one pushes us all together, allows us to make a little bit more noise and let's look for the positives in it and and hopefully we can build something out of it. Yeah, what did you think of all the news? Um, It was widely as expected that mostly the Putney End is going to take the brunt of the uh, rehoming and I do feel for some uh, Riverside uh, supporters who uh, might have to be kind of split apart from uh, people they've sat with for, for generations and, and, and people, you know, get very accustomed to what they know. Temporarily, though, you know, I know it's yeah. tough, but like you, I think that if you stick with it for two seasons, you will be put back where you were if you want to be. Yeah. Um, Tim Clark did a good uh, article on our website today, kind of following on from something I said on a podcast a few years ago about could this be the rejuvenation of the Putney end. We're still yet to see how the segregation is going to work there because, as you may or may not know, part of the reason behind the whole neutral stand is because the current constraints of the building of the Putney end mean that real proper segregation is is nigh on impossible. The club haven't exactly confirmed how they're going to manage segregating the, the two sets of fans. But what's going to be undoubted is that there's going to be a much higher proportion of Fulham fans in there. We probably won't see scenes like we have in the past where, I don't know, Leeds United, Newcastle United come down and, and take the entire end because it physically won't be possible because there will be season ticket holders. How do you see it working with, with that Putney end and could it be a rejuvenation as, as some have suggested? I hope so. Um, you know, it's going to be difficult because, as you say, people are going to be shoved around. They're going to be un- you know, uncomfortable with their surroundings for a little while. And, and often that kind of familiarity breeds a kind of you feel comfortable, therefore you can get involved. And I suppose that's what, you know, the Hammersmith then provides and, and why it's provided for so long. But, yeah, I, I don't see why not. You know, if we can if we can think about this as a positive and everyone gets behind it and thinks that, you know, the whole project is a positive thing for Fulham, then I don't see why it can't be used to kick on and, and, and make some noise in the Putney end. And, and yeah, of course, it completely cancels out the, you know, cancels out the kind of neutral end nonsense for a while anyway. Uh, you know, we'll get less of that because there won't be one. Um, I, I, I am interested in how they're going to do it with teams like Brentford and, and QPR coming to town and, you know, Millwall will be back and all of those teams and, and where a neutral end has seemed a little bit you know, 
unsustainable in the past. And I think that that's going to be interesting in terms of how it works. You know, we're not going to see, like you say, we're not going to see Leeds United having the entire Putney end anymore. That's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. But how they are going to police that and, and prevent, you know, clashes does interest me. Yeah. How is the art... Uh, I must admit, I've only been in the Putney end maybe once, twice in my lifetime, and I can't remember exactly what it looks like behind that goal. But in the Hammer tight, in the Hammersmith end, you kind of have those two levels. You it's ha- not like that. Is it not like that at no, all? No, because you could you could segregate that quite easily. And if it was if it was like the Hammersmith, it's just end. one big concourse, and it, in fact, big is the wrong word. It's one small concourse. Um, it's very tight in there. All oh, right, um, and therefore it's going to be difficult to. To segregate, I, I I would say impossible, and I don't know quite what they're going to do yet. But I I am interested to see what the next steps are. Because that is one thing I thought that might happen is that the Johnny Haynes might take on a temporary away spot, a la the Europa League, but doesn't look like from what the club has announced. Because surely they would have then had to say to those Johnny Haynes yep. season ticket holders. Well, I suppose it's now as little trying to cause as little disruption as possible. Yeah, um, that's making more work. That's making more work for themselves, isn't but also it? Also, the area that houses the away fans in the Europa League is also the family section yes. in, the, in the Johnny Haynes fan now. So, obviously, that would be a bit difficult in terms of moving that around. So, I guess it's, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. What do you make of the, des- of the design? I feel like, I like lot, it a lot. lot of the plans have been released before, but maybe just some new images were released yesterday. It's going to look kind of out of place it's going to be much taller than the rest of the stadium and i I was um i was at palace on saturday for the first ever time and um uh it was like the crystal palace beer festival and a a friend of a friend was playing in the uh kind of legends v fans games hence why i was there and I, i kind of forgot how lopsided it is and the homesdale dwarfs the rest of the ground yeah that's an end though as opposed to a side i think you when you know go to anfield yeah, and you look at the new main stand, which is obviously as you know way bigger than the rest of them, and it doesn't look weird. Yeah, so I, I imagine that all of these things will be built in. I, I think it looks lovely. If, if I'm yeah. being perfectly honest, I think the question of how they round it off into the two edges will be something that I'm interested in seeing. It sounds really like Nike, but from an architectural perspective. No, I, th- I get um, it. But I think on the whole, it looks beautiful and I think it's going to be a really nice addition to both the riverbank and to the stadium. Well, yeah, as someone that lives in Putney and, and quite regularly does that walk up the river, it is a bit of an irk how you get to the river path and then suddenly just there's this big stadium in the way and you kind of have to walk around. I mean, it's not really. It's, it's fair- not going to be open on match days, is it? No, not on match days, but on non-match days, it's definitely it's going to add to the area. I, I, think I, so. I can't see... It helps my running route. Oh, does it? Mm. Oh, that'd be a lovely run. I'll have to stop at the Crabtree and go backwards now. Yeah, or the Cottage Cafe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I, I'm really excited about it. And it's going to take two years. It's going to be two tough years in terms of getting everyone in. And I think we'll really struggle. Where I think we'll really, really struggle is if we get promoted Yes. this year. And uh, you know, we don't need to talk about this quite yet. But I do think that if that is a possibility, we might have to look at rehousing for a bit. That's really the only think? thing. That's the only thing that worries me. Won't it just be just much of the same, but just almost impossible to get a ticket? Basically, maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, let's uh, let's cross those bridges when we come. Well, to yeah, them. exactly. So overall, Jack, good news on yes, the Riverside. I don't absolutely. know if there's too much really um, we can 
get involved in. But yeah, looking at some of the designs, it's clear that hospitality is very much at the front and center of the design of this new stand. But I think that makes sense anyway, because they weren't doing this for the extra 3,000 seats. No. It's, it's like Spurs moving to their new ground or Arsenal all of those years ago. Spurs didn't cause all of that upheaval at the end of the day so that they get an extra 20,000 fans, which still doesn't feed the appetite of people that want Spurs tickets. Yeah. It's all about build, making your football club sustainable. And in this current day and age, there aren't too many other ways to make it sustainable other than to really have a world-class facility that allows you to make revenue both on a match day and off it. Correct. And, and, and off of it. Couldn't, couldn't agree more, Sam. Couldn't agree more. Well, um, let's have a quick move on to uh, how we're feeling post-season. Mm, bad. Um, Scott Parker's got the job. Yeah. on a permanent basis i haven't been on a podcast since that happened and it looks like it's been fairly well taken there's been a few uh, managerial changes since then a couple of people have been thinking uh, why didn't did we did we twist too soon uh, i think chris hewson was was one of those did you kind of pay too much attention to any of that chat <sighs> it's a difficult one look it's hard to give scotty as due you know, I wrote, I wrote an article in this at the time that there's massive pros and massive cons to Scott Parker's appointment. You know, the majority of the, the pros are about the squad, about him knowing them, about him being able to convince certain players, a la Tom Kenny, I one would imagine, to stay at the club and, and build around the, you know, the squad that's in place, which is a quality squad in the championship. And, you know, we hold on to some of these players. You know, we heard this week the murmurs that Mitrovic was saying that he, if, the, if the club don't want to sell him, he's not going to push for a move. And, and, and those kind of things, I imagine, are partly due to the influence of Scott Parker on that squad and the respect he has within the camp. Obviously, there are drawbacks because we don't know yet whether he has the tactical nous to be able to outmaneuver and outplay managers in this division. But on the whole, you know, there's, a, there's an element of the whole Lampardism to it, right? You know, and he's, there's a generation of young players who will be inspired and you know would want to work under someone of scott parker's ilk because they grew of, up watching it well, yeah it was england captain like yeah. you know it's one of those things where if you you're a young player and you go oh, you can go and work with one of these people that managed to take this to the level that you want to be at that's obviously going to push them onwards and you've seen it this year at derby um and hopefully in terms of you know those players he knows that at Spurs and and moving on from that kind of the relationships he has with other clubs that he worked with Fulham will be able to pick up some talented young players in the way that Derby have in the way that Reece Ames was at Wigan all, all of those different you know scenarios should be helped by Scott Parker's case yes there are concerns yes there are drawbacks to having a new manager but you've seen how positive everyone in the media has been about Parker about his personality about I think this isn't a Kit Simons heart overhead signing I think they've taken their time to think about this properly and do things sensibly and on the whole I have no real qualms right right now with the decision Hewton was a great manager for Brighton in the championship he played turgid football in the Premier League you know with a squad that probably should have been doing better um it is hit and miss I like Chris Hewitt and I think he's a good bloke yeah I, I must admit I, I didn't lose any sleep over that nor did I lose any sleep over the fact that Steve Clark's got the, the Scotland job And I don't think anyone lost any sleep over that no but they're, they're, they're the two people that have been have been rumoured and 
I'm, I'm, I think you've got to think long term and you've got to think, OK, we need a manager that is right for us in the championship. But also there's got to be a 10% of you thinking, is this man also right if we went up? And that's what we had with Slavisa. I'm not 100% convinced we had that with Scott, but we definitely wouldn't have that with Chris Hewton because I don't think Chris Hewton has what it takes to to take a Premier League team onto that next level. Yes, he might. He definitely has the chops to keep you yeah, in the Premier which League. Which I suppose is step one. So there are... You yeah, know, we could have done with a Chris Hewson this season. Precisely. Um, but, look, given the, the kind of options that are out there, I think it's good that Fulham have gone brave in terms of getting someone that doesn't necessarily fit the, the merry-go-round in, in some regards. I think we could have looked potentially slightly more abroad. Um, you know, obviously, Ben and I did that special all those weeks back <laughs> about possible managerial options. But the, the Wikipedia special where I just spent my entire time listening going like, who is that? <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think that if Parker is willing to work with the system uh, and is someone that is able to, you know, pick, become, you know, it's, it's a two-way street. You've got to be, you've got to be there working in synergy with the with the, the in transfers with the ownership all of those things and also being able to push your case and I feel like Scott Parker's in a kind of unique position because he knows how it works but also seems to have the ear of the people who are bringing in those transfers so fingers crossed it's a relationship that can work for both parties right two transfer things that I wanted to come on before we end the podcast today yeah. Jack um, first one is up front and it's kind of twofold, really. It's Mitrovic potentially leaving. And we kind of know really what the situation there is. He clarified that... Um, He's not going to push to leave, but if the club accept an offer, then the club accept an offer. Yeah, exactly. But one rumour that has been doing the rounds that does seem to have some credence to it is Brit Sombolonga yeah. from, from Middlesbrough. Would be a uh, seven-figure deal, no doubt, if oh, it happened. Easy. Maybe eight. Um, sorry, I mean eight-figure deal. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, seven-figure would be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe. He's, he's in, I think he's only got a year left on his contract, so potentially a seven, eight million might work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but looks like it does have some plausibility yeah, to it. Yeah, from what I've heard from people close to the club, we have made contact with Middlesbrough from, from what I've heard. You know, obviously, take everything with a pinch of salt, but... Um, we have made contact with him. That's about as far as it's taken. We made contact to see if a deal is plausible. Word on the street is that they are kind of willing to sell. Um, obviously, they don't have a manager at the moment, so that affects yeah, whether or not he would stay or go. But on the whole, I think they're kind of all right to, to do those kind of things. Um, it makes life a little bit different in terms of up front. You know, we obviously love Mitrovic. I don't have a massive problem with this Sombolonga. Obviously, there are injury concerns. That's my main drawback. Yeah. But on the whole, Fulham have really lacked pace up front. And I think that someone of a Sombolonga's ilk still offers you a physicality that, you know, someone like Mitrovic, obviously he's not the same kind of hold-up player that Mitrovic is. Yeah. And he hasn't got quite the same presence in the box. But on the whole, a Sombolonga offers you some physical presence while adding a load of pace. And if Parker's Fulham are to play reactively and with a high press... It would make sense to bring in a striker, you know, either to replace or to complement Mitrovic, who is able to play with a high press, who is able to, to push up and drive us up the field. And on the whole, I think that Asombolonga obviously hasn't quite turned it on for Middlesbrough. I mean, he's still scored 15, I think, goals this campaign, even though he's hampered by injury. Um, 
in a team which doesn't necessarily suit him. Obviously, he was excellent at Forest, and they thought that Middlesbrough would be the, the team he kicked on at. But he's played under Pulis for two years. Yeah. You know, it's hardly the free-flowing attacking football that creates loads and loads and loads of chances. And he's put away a fair amount of the chances that he's been given. And so, while Pulis is you know, nothing to be sniffed at in, in many regards, because he does the job is required of him a lot of the time. I mean, I don't like the man. I don't like the way he plays football. But on the whole, he gets results, mostly. Yeah. I think his, his race might be run now. That might be the end of him as a force. But, you know, you, you can understand why people appoint someone like Pulis, but it doesn't suit someone like Samba longer because that football doesn't exploit his pace, doesn't exploit what he can offer you on the break in a quick transition. And I think that if we could keep him fit at Fulham, he'd score goals for us. 100%. He's one of those... Dwight Gale types who has also been linked with us this window of course um, where you know he's as close to guaranteed goals in this division as you can get and and is not that much of a gamble but that's kind of why you pay the high price really yeah, isn't the it? premium the premium price um, the other transfer bit I wanted to quickly discuss with you is is Ryan Sessegnon um, I think we're all fairly resigned to the facts that he's going yeah um, I think so. It's just a matter of where, and Man United seem to be the new favourites over Spurs, um, which I'm not enamoured with. I doubt you are either. More from Sessignon's point of view. Yeah, I think that's it. It's it's from from his point of view, I don't want him to go, but... Yeah, if he's going to go, I want him to go somewhere where he's going to grow and develop. The only thing about United is that that squad is bloated. It's going to get cut and trimmed this summer. And Solskjaer has said he wants young, hungry players who are willing to fight for the shirt and willing to, you know, put themselves about. And if he gets a chance there and does well, then he could, you know, we could see him kick on. But on the flip of that, I would love to see him develop under a coach like Pochettino in the setup that Spurs have, which is much more stable and calm and settled. Um, you know, obviously he would have the bonus of remaining within a London atmosphere uh, all of those different things they've got a new stadium they're in a new era almost and I think that could if, be Champions League winners well that's it if he goes to somewhere like Spurs I think he will learn he might get less first team opportunity but he will learn from a you know from a really really good squad a really really good coach potentially the best coach in the game right now yeah, I would definitely. argue aside from Pep Guardiola obviously yeah um, but you know it's one of those things where he has to choose now between potentially getting a bit more game time at United, but being under immense pressure to bring a club in crisis back to a place where their fans want them to be or joining a stable club with a new era where he might get less first-team opportunities. I think I'd prefer to see him at Spurs. Uh, Any other transfer bits and bobs that you've seen doing the rounds worthy of of mention before we finish? we're continually linked. I mean, I know it's one of those ones where we're just perennially linked with players, but we do continually seem to be linked to Ivan Cavallero from Wolves oh. and it's something that does make sense on a kind of level I haven't seen this one he's been out of form out of the team but yeah. well, you know also out of favour at Wolves it doesn't look like he's going to be the one kicking them on into Europe next year they're, they're linked with João Felix wow. who's obviously linked with a host of big clubs <laughs> but they have that Portuguese connection and that, that you know that men's connection so you know, I wouldn't be wildly surprised if João Felix ended up at Wolves next season I mean that's which insane. would be incredible for them yeah. uh, and I think it would suit him as well because it would be a good stepping stone and that's what they're kind of establishing themselves as a, a stepping stone club however that even further limits opportunities for Cavalera he's behind Diogo Jota in the pecking order he's behind Adama Traore in the pecking order you know he's yeah. potentially even behind Helder Costa in the pecking order I think they're reasonably on a level um, but I would love to see Cavalera he tore up um, Craven Cottage a few years I ago I think he's brilliant I think he's brilliant and I think he'd suit this kind of 
like Parker's if Parker is going to continue this kind of stylish 4-3-3 kind of play at Fulham as we've seen in his games I think Havillero would suit that down to the ground and it makes sense on a kind of footballing level. I think if he wants to stay in the UK, it would make sense on a personal level. And he'd also be able to, to kick back on and kind of establish himself again, which I think would be good for his career. It's something that makes sense on all, on all fronts for me. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, um, thank you very much for listening to this extended episode of uh, Fulhamish. Well, not really extended at all. A short episode. Feels of, extended. Um, of It's been great. Of Fulhamish. Um, there is um, some bits and bobs to be dealt with over the next few weeks. Season ticket prices come out tomorrow which we'll be keeping uh, a close eye on um very very interesting particularly given all the riverside moves that are, are going to be happening uh pre-season was announced today yeah um we're going to portugal the aforementioned right. um which i don't imagine is going to please dom too much this is very much one he looks out for he's um he's not he's very upset because he's going to portugal for the nations league and then he has to go again but he'll do it anyway yeah I mean, of that there is no doubt and then um, we're back to Aldershot which is a little bit weird I don't know why Fulham has this fixation with playing neutral games at Aldershot to face Brighton then we're off to the Kassam Stadium to face Oxford I'm kind of keen for that one Jack I don't know yeah I, I, I'm, I'm keen I, I like the idea of going to Oxford I think it sounds like a fun day out all sorts of that I, I'm, I'm fully on board with that one I think um, not for me Clive on Aldershot though yeah, and then West Ham at home uh, the week before the campaign gets started on the first week in August. I think fixtures are released 20th of June. Yes. So not actually that long to wait before uh, fixtures come out. But there's a long summer ahead of us. And um, we will be doing podcasts kind of periodically, really. Uh, we're not going to devote ourselves to a schedule until kind of pre-season and, and proper transfer season really starts to kick in. But yeah. For now, if big transfers happen, if any more kind of big news, especially regarding the stadium happens, uh, we'll do that. Yes, for sure. Transfers and, and big news, I think, will be reactive podcasts, one would say. Yeah, precisely. Well, thank you very much for listening today. Jack, thank you for, for being here in, you, uh, in, in your lovely attire here outside of um, outside of Westfield in I look Shepherd's quite, Bush. look quite podcast at the moment, I think. Yeah, the whole Adidas jacket, Adidas trainers, um, with with the microphone in hand. They say you're never more than six feet away from a podcast, and I think very much right now we are proving that rule correct. A like fifteen-year-old YouTuber is what you're trying to say. Yeah, in, basically, in, in so many words, you can't even come for a day's shopping in the middle of the week without, without seeing, seeing a us bloody a podcast. podcast. Yeah. Um, so thank you for listening today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, keep a lock to all things Fulhamish for the latest transfer rumours and Jack thank you very much enjoy your summer guys because uh, you don't have to think about Fulham too much what a which wonderful is be a good thing. which is going to be a good thing this year bad thing last year good thing this year you guys you guys <laughs>